there's a book called Immunity to Change. And in that book, cardiologists report that only one in seven people are willing to make necessary lifestyle changes, such as uh, stopping smoking or losing weight, eating right, exercising. One in seven are willing to make the changes they need to make to save their life. One in seven. And if those are the odds that cardiologists face, then the question becomes, what odds do we have as disciples of Jesus Christ when we tell one another we need to make lifestyle changes as well? After all, we are called to live, as Christians, we are called to live transformed lives, lives that are not conformed to the assumptions and values of this world, but rather, as Romans 12 says, transformed by the renewing of our mind. And these changes that we experience and endure as Christians, they're not just external changes or things on the outside, but these are the the radical changes, the changes that reach us all the way in our heart of hearts. They change our character. They change who we are, both individually and to the people around us. Jesus taught that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, he agreed with Jesus' teachings and he put those at the center of everything that he wrote and taught and he preached. But Wesley took it a step further and he defined this uh, as a true religion. And he defined that true religion as a heart that is right both towards God and man. And Wesley understood that to mean that we as Christians could have this orthodox set of beliefs, we could have correct and right behavior in society, but never experience a true religion of a heart, never changing what needs to be changed so we could truly understand what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. As friends, we don't want to ha- or as Christians, excuse me, we don't want to have an immunity to the religion of the heart. It should after all be our number one goal. And of all the things that we talk about in the church, I think talking about the importance of praying together and as individuals and also the importance of reading the Bible are at the top of the list. Whether you've been coming to church your entire life, you don't know life without church, or whether you are starting this journey of faith and you still have a lot of questions, I think all of us would agree that praying and reading the Bible are important. But in a lot of conversations I've had, I found that folks will say, yeah, those two things are incredibly important, and that's absolute, I absolutely believe that. But when we walk out of these doors, when we're no longer in church or at church, those two things become more challenging. We're less confident when we walk out those doors of, what does it mean to pray? What does it mean to read the Scriptures? Or how do I do those things too well? Is there a way to mess those things up? 
Those are the questions that come to our mind. After all, in church, we do pray a lot. In church, we read the Bible and we talk about it a lot. But when it comes to doing it on our own or with a small group of people throughout the week outside of Sunday mornings, we're not as confident with that. So today, we're going to move on to the second part in our sermon series, and we're going to talk about uh, practical ways to begin making reading Scripture a part of your daily rhythm and routine, ways that will make it easier, ways that you can understand Scripture better, uh, and a couple of ways to pray that maybe you have not done so before. Uh, And this is part two Uh, in a sermon series that we started last week uh, entitled, A Disciple's Path, Deepening Your Relationship with the Church and with Jesus Christ. And over these next many weeks, we're going to continue to talk about uh, what we believe as United Methodists are the things we need to be doing to continue growing, learning, and becoming more like Christ in our daily lives. And we wanted to do this because a disciple's path or a lifelong journey of faith, those are phrases we say in the life of our church all the time. And we wanted to make sure that we explained what we meant when we said them, and that we as a congregation, that as a community of believers, that we were all on the same page, that we were all on mission together, moving forward to accomplish the goal that Christ has given to us. Last week we talked about, first, uh, the foundation was a ministry of presence. And we talked about then the life of a believer that's twofold. First, meaning that we are present in worship here in church on Sunday mornings together. And then the second part of that was to be present in Christian community. And that meant a Sunday school class, a Bible study, a small group, a service group, or some time throughout your week where you have planned time to get together with other believers and talk about your faith and Scripture and to pray together. That was part one. And today we learn about the spiritual disciplines of prayer and searching the Scriptures. In 1730, John and Charles Wesley, they were brothers and also the founders of the Methodist movement, began meeting at Oxford University with a few of their close friends. And they had one goal, they had one intention of meeting together, and that was to help one another live holier lives. They met regularly, often daily, to read Scripture, to pray together, and to engage in what they termed religious talk. But nobody paid much attention to them until they began showing up unusually regularly to church and were being asked, or they were asking to be served communion. They went and visited people in the prisons, and that was unheard of for church people. And then they started serving the poor in their free time. And these public acts of worship are what they did where everyone else can see outside of the walls of the beautiful church they got the nickname, the Holy Club. 
And in 1732, they began practicing these spiritual disciplines that were modeled by the early church. Many of these disciplines are the ones that we still practice today. But because they were so intensely methodical on how they did these things and their schedules and their routines, they later became known as the Methodist. And that name has stuck with us ever since. We became the Methodists because the spiritual disciplines are essential to our faith. They're essential to our growth, and they're essential to becoming more like Christ in the disciples' path. So at this time, I want to ask you and invite you to get your teaching notes out that are inside your bulletin and your program there. Uh, And there you can follow along with a lot of different fill-in-the-blanks for our uh, practical and meaningful ways of searching the Scriptures and learning uh, perhaps new ways to pray. And the first one I'll share with you uh, is an example of prayer, and it's called the Acts Acrostic, A-C-T-S. Uh, Each of these letters stand for something, and I'm going to tell you what they are, but these letters also serve as a priority indicator of which one is most important and which one we should spend the most amount of time with. So the first element of this prayer, the A, stands for adoration. Adoration. And this also means praise. A great example of this is the Psalms, which are inspired samples of godly prayer and are heavily weighted on the side of adoration. And I've noticed that over many years of reading the Psalms and praying them, this adoration part of prayer just becomes second nature. It becomes a genuine part of our prayer life. We begin every prayer by giving thanks to God. Psalm 68.35 says this, Praise be to God. We begin our prayers by telling God how much we appreciate Him. We express our love for God and we praise His power and His majesty. We begin our prayers with adoration. Second, the C in our acrostic stands for confession. When we come to God in a time of prayer, we have to remember that we come to God as people who have sinned. We come to a perfect God, a holy God, and we have to remember that we are not as holy as God, and we are in need of forgiveness. 1 John, the first chapter, verses 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We have to tell God where we've fallen short, where we have done what we know we should have not done, and we need to be specific about it. We need to confess to God our sins and ask for forgiveness. That's part two of the Acts prayer. The third part, or the T, stands for thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We should always give God thanks. We should give God thanks for the mercy that He shows for us, to the grace He extends to us each and every moment of every day. Psalm 69.30 says, Always glorify God with thanksgiving. The reality is we all have plenty of reasons to be thankful 
We can thank God for His love, for His faithfulness, for His patience, and for a million other things. We can thank God for what God is actively doing in our lives in this very moment, what God has done in the past, or what we hope God might do with our lives in the future. We could thank Jesus for sacrificing His life for us. We could thank the Holy Spirit for dwelling inside of us. We could thank the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus for being that conscience or that still small voice inside of us that encourages us, that teaches us. The T stands for thanksgiving. And the last part of the Acts acrostic is the S, and that stands for supplication. Another way to think about supplication or to understand it is that is when we can make our requests to God. We can offer our prayer request. Philippians 4, 6 says, make your requests known to God. Tell God what you want. Tell God what you think you need, no matter how big or how small. God is the creator of the entire universe and everything in it. There is no problem too big for our God. The last part of this prayer is supplication where we request things of God. The next example I want to share, following down on your teaching notes, uh, is another acrostic, and this is one uh, that can help you read, interpret, and understand Scripture uh, a little bit easier. Uh, And this is the SOAP acrostic, S-O-A-P. Uh, And this is a method, if you were uh, around last summer when we did the New Testament in 90 days, the SOAP method uh, is what we used when reading Scripture, and it's a, a great tool to use. So the S in SOAP stands for, you might have guessed it, Scripture. When you find a Scripture that is especially meaningful to you, or perhaps a Scripture that you don't understand or doesn't make sense to you, Uh, I'd invite you to get out a piece of paper and a pen and a pencil uh, and to physically write out that passage of Scripture. By taking the time to do that, it allows the Spirit to move and work in your life uh, and something new and powerful might be revealed to you in that practice. We also know that writing things out is a helpful trick for memorizing them as well. Memorizing Scripture is a great way to have that foundation. The second, the O in SOAP, stands for observation. This is a time where we, uh, quite frankly, just observe the Scripture, and it's a time where we can ask questions about it, like, what do you see in the verses you're reading? Who is the audience that this piece of Scripture is being written to? Is there a particular repetition of words? Is this a poem? Is this a song? Is this a story? Is it a parable? We can ask those questions. We then move on to the A in SOAP. And the A stands for application. This is the one that we most often use when we read Scripture. Uh, We love to know what this Scripture is saying to me. What is this Scripture trying to tell me about my life? This is when God's Word becomes personal. Perhaps the Scripture we're reading uh, points out an area of our life that might need some of that change we were talking about at the beginning of our teaching time this morning. Or uh, we can ask ourselves the question, is there an action that I need to take in my life? 
different scriptures will uh, give you different feelings as you read them. The A stands for application. And lastly, the P stands for prayer. Oftentimes we think we have to come up with our own creative prayers and we have to say all of these beautiful and intelligent things when we speak to God. But really, if you're struggling to figure out what to say or how to say it, a great practice is just to pray God's Word back to God. Like we said, a great place to start is with the Psalms or flip open to Proverbs or really any book of the Bible and make your Scripture reading a prayer to God. As you're reading, saying, thank you, God, for this word. Thank you for the ways you're speaking to me in this time. Prayer is an important part of reading Scripture as well. So now we've got the axe acrostic for prayer. We've got the soap acrostic for reading Scripture. Uh, And as I'm holding up my fingers, it's a good transition because I want to share with you another type of prayer. Uh, And this is one that I learned when I was a little boy, and I have held on to it. Uh, My Mimi taught it to me, and it's simply called the five-finger prayer guide. All you need is one hand and five fingers, and you can become a master of this particular type of prayer. So the first part of the five-finger prayer is your thumb. And the thumb is the finger that's closest to you. It's the finger that's closest to your heart. So you start by praying for the people in your life who are closest to you. The thumb reminds us to pray for our family and for our friends. Next is the index finger. And we often use the index finger to point. And we often think of those people who pointed us in the right direction in our life were our teachers and our mentors. So when we think about our index finger, we pray for our teachers and our mentors. Our third finger is our middle finger. It is the tallest finger. It's the strongest finger of the hand. And so this reminds us to pray for our leaders. We can pray for those who uh, lead our churches, lead our states, our country, and those who lead around the world. We pray for them to have God's wisdom, God's humility, uh, and that their judgment would be right. The fourth finger is our ring finger. Our ring finger is our weakest finger. It can't move without the help of others. This reminds us that we need to pray for those who are sick and those who are needy. And then our last finger, this is our pinky finger. And the pinky is the smallest finger, and it reminds us that we should pray for ourselves the least. God tells us it's perfectly acceptable, it's perfectly all right for us to pray for ourselves. We talked about supplication, making our requests known to God. But when we think about the Acts model, there are a whole lot of other things and people that we should pray for before we pray for ourselves. We've often made up this uh, illustration in our mind that prayer is simply a time where it's just me and God and I can tell God what I want and what I need. But really, prayer is a time where we give our time to God and allow God to speak to us. Prayer is often us talking 99% of the time, but in reality, it should probably be 99% of the time as us listening to God and being present with God. So that's the five-finger prayer. 
And the last example I want to share with you is a, a, a relatively brand new resource to our church. And I know many of you have already uh, taken advantage of it, but I wanted to bring it up again. And it's this uh, great resource called Right Now Media. Uh, our church just got access to this earlier this summer, uh, and we've had a lot of folks sign up for it and utilize this gift. Uh, right Now Media describes themselves as the Netflix for Christians. Uh, it's an online database with over 10,000 Bible studies and resources on every topic and every book of the Bible that you could imagine. Uh, so I want to remind you again of the two ways you can sign up for this and begin using it whenever you want. The first is you can go on the church website, uh, cypresslakeumc.com slash right now. That's on your teaching notes. It's also on the screen. Uh, when you get to our website, you're going to see this picture. Uh, and you can see in that little box there, it says, click here to register. Click on that and you'll create an account and then you're all set to go. The other way to do it, uh, if you like to text and texting is easier for you, uh, they've made it incredibly easy. Uh, you can get out your phone. I give you full permission to get out your phone and do it before you leave church today because I love Right Now Media and want you to have it at your disposal. Uh, but you can text right now, space, C-L-U-M-C, uh, to the number 41411. Uh, and that's on your teaching notes as well in case uh, that's not the easiest thing to remember. But when you text that, it's going to look like this. You text that number right now, space, C-L-U-M-C, and you're going to get a text back that looks like that. All you have to do is click on that link and you create an account and you're ready to go. Download the Right Now Media app to your smartphone or your tablet and log in. Or if you don't have a smartphone or a tablet, you can use it online. And when you get there, as I mentioned, there's 10,000 resources. That's a lot. Uh, so I wanted to give you a few specific or one specific one today uh, for you when it comes to reading the Scriptures. Uh, when you log on to the Right Now Media website, it'll look like this. Uh, this is the home page that you'll see. Uh, and in that top left corner, there is a magnifying glass with the word search next to it. You can click that, and I'd invite you to type in read scripture. Just type in read scripture. And the first thing that pops up, and it'll be in this next picture, see the top left corner again, it says Bible studies, 213, easy to pick from. Uh, but the top one there is called read scripture by a fellow by the name of Tim Mackey. Now, what Tim Mackey has done is he has made a 10-minute or less video about every single book of the Bible, and he explains the main themes, the outlines, the main characters, and everything we'd need to know about each book of the Bible. If you're looking for a place to get started, I would start right here with Tim Mackey's Read Scripture series, and maybe each day pick a different book of the Bible to learn something about. As a pastor, I use this resource every single day. I've used Tim Mackey's uh, studies here multiple times in my own teaching, and I have learned so many things from this new resource we have as a church. Uh, and it's not just Bible studies. There are uh, topical studies as well, things on finances or marriage or conflict or history or apologetics or things specifically for children and youth. The resources are endless. So I really do want to encourage you to either sign up uh, by texting or going online and getting this resource.
So in our time together this morning, we're reminded of why the spiritual disciplines of prayer and reading the Scripture are so important. And we talked about two uh, unique and creative ways that, that you can do those things, that they can become a part of your daily routine. And this second part of the disciples' path, prayer and reading Scripture, uh, along with presence, are the foundation to everything we're going to talk about the next few weeks as well. And so my challenge to you is this. Try, just try, one of these four practices this week. Make a commitment right now before God and say, every day I'm going to try the soap reading of Scripture. I'm going to try to do the five-finger prayer. I'm going to sign up for Right Now Media and see what this Tim Mackey guy has to say. I truly believe the spiritual disciplines have the power to transform our lives. I spent this uh, whole week out at a conference in California. Uh, fun fact, my flight got delayed three hours last night, and I didn't get in until about midnight last night. And I was out there for this conference called the Celebrate Recovery Summit. Uh, and this is a ministry that's been in existence now for about 25 years, and its goal is to help people with their hurts, their hang-ups, and their habits. And these are things that we all have, even if we necessarily don't want to admit it. Uh, and when we think of recovery ministry, or at least I know I did, uh, I thought it was only for folks with uh, alcohol and drug addiction issues. But I learned uh, that recovery can mean a whole lot more from our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. You see, when we get hurt by someone or something, it can become a hang-up in our lives. It can cause us to stumble, and then those hang-ups can lead us to some pretty bad habits from time to time. And I was just so impressed by this conference, and it was a great opportunity for me to go and learn and see a ministry I had never seen and I didn't know much about. But what I came away with was how much they use Scripture and prayer in everything that they do. Because honestly, when we decided that we were going to be preaching on prayer and Scripture again, and I knew I was going to be doing it this morning, I honestly said to myself, what is there that, I, that we haven't already said about prayer and Scripture? These are good church-going people. They know everything there is to know about prayer and reading the Scripture. There's nothing new I could say. There's nothing persuasive I could say to inspire. So I thought practical some tangible ways of doing this. But then as I was preparing my sermon and at this conference this week, I realized, but I still didn't answer the question, why? Why are these two things so important? And so I asked some folks while I was there, I just would walk up and ask some folks that I knew were in recovery, and I said, hey, why is Scripture, reading the Scripture and praying so important to you? And each person looked me right in the eye each time, and they simply said, because it works. When I pray and I read Scripture, God works miracles in my life. So if you're asking yourself, why would I do these two things? Why would I invest my precious time into spiritual disciplines? Why would I try this prayer thing and Scripture thing when I've gone my whole life without doing it or I do it from time to time? Why should I do it? The answer is because it works. And I truly believe with all my heart 
that if you practice the five-finger prayer, the Acts acrostic, the soap acrostic, or get involved with right now media or any kind of Bible study, that God will change your life. And you will experience the presence of God in a new and mighty way. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for this gift of prayer and for the reality that you listen to us, you hear us, and you care about us. So God, let us utilize this gift and praise your name on this day and in all of our days to come. And all of God's people said, Amen.